Black Tree Crime is a podcast that researches and discusses murders committed by black offenders. It is a podcast that anyone and everyone is welcome to enjoy, but it may not be enjoyed by anyone and everyone. So listener discretion is advised. Now, without further ado, this is Black Tree Crime. Hello, everyone. Hi, guys. I'm Kayla. And I'm Kristen. And this is Black True Crime. If this is your first time here at the show, friend, welcome and hello. Hey, everybody. Come on in and enjoy the ride. Take your shoes off. Relax. It's been a while since we've been here. So thank you for your patience. Praise. And thank you. September. Let's get started with this case this week. This, in my opinion, is the perfect definition of wasting taxpayers' dollars, not taking responsibility for the actions that y- you did. Mm. And um, yeah, let's just get right into it. Well, I would like to say you have a multicultural lineup right now. So I'm really excited to hear about this case. Kristen can see the pictures of the people that were involved. Don't worry, y'all. I don't know if they're victims, if they're perpetrators. I just see people. She has no idea. They are the victims. Okay. Okay, law. Okay, sorry. Alrighty. Sister, are you ready? Let's get into it. Okay. I didn't write an intro because I felt like, honestly, it was going to give too much away. I could be vague, but I didn't really have the patience. I just wanted to get right into it. So that's what we're doing. Amen. On Saturday, June 20th, 1992, Rachel Tovar was visiting her next-door neighbor on Brownstone Lane in Houston, Texas. Houston! When she noticed that the lights in her home were flickering on and off. Ooh. Hella weird. Mm-hmm. According to her, quote, As I walked across and was going into my house, I felt a gun on my back. And he said, quote, Keep going, because we already have your family inside. Uh-oh. You scream or anything, we're going to shoot you right here. Yeah, he would have got me. Yeah. That's scary. And why are the lights flickering? Like, what the hell? Who's playing with the lights? That's what I'm saying. But maybe they were trying to just give her a hint of like, bitch, come home. Or like, something's off. Uh-huh. They forced Rachel into the house, and that's where she saw her husband, 32-year-old Jose Tovar, her son, 17-year-old Frank, and her 19-year-old pregnant daughter-in-law jessica quinones lord have mercy along with audrey brown a family friend all tied up with bed sheets lord have mercy they got them all literally everyone and it really scared me because i'm like damn like these people are at the house chilling didn't expect anything and then they're in the worst situation of their lives i think it's the worst thing where somebody invades your home mm-hmm. and does something to you to make you like you know vulnerable like yeah. that's your home you your feel supposed home. to feel safe there right me and Chris, me and terrell just got strapped the lord is yeah. good some people spend all their lives with no strap the lord is good some people spend all their lives with straps and still are victims of terribleness this is true They were then forced into separate rooms where they were questioned over and over about money and told to give up any and all the money they had. Eventually, all six of the victims were shot in the back of their heads. So there was a victim that, I don't know if I said this already, but um, I didn't see her name anywhere, but there were six victims in total. Oh, wow. Yeah, and that wasn't five. 
Right. That wasn't even including the baby that was in. Oh, no. Exactly. Jessica's stomach. Lord Jesus. Right. So all six of the victims were shot in the back of their heads. Somehow after being shot, Rachel regained consciousness. Which one is Rachel? Rachel's not in the pictures that we've shown so far, but I am about to show a clip of her speaking about what her experience was that night. Right off the rip, sis. Mm -hmm. I like to do that because it makes it feel like, okay, this isn't just a podcast. These are real people, they're real lives, and they went through the worst thing fucking imaginable. Right. Here we go. When I came to, the first thing was I was looking for my kids. I was looking for Frank. I was looking for Jessica. I got up, I staggered to the room, and I knew my husband was there. And then when I staggered to look for my son, I gave my son mouth to mouth. I could hear him still breathing. And I said, hold on, baby, hold on. I saw Aunt Audrey, and she was in a puddle of blood. I, I knew she was gone. I started looking for Jessica. I wandered to look for Jessica. I couldn't find her. I went next door to get help, came back looked for her and I finally found her in the restroom by the time I got her and I gave her mouth to mouth. She was already in her last breath, letting all her last breath come out and she died in my arms. She stayed there. My God, Kayla. Kristen, who would you wish that on? Not a single soul, honestly. Unbelievable. That was really hard to hear. Yeah. And that's why I say I like to play things like this just to put it in perspective because sometimes we get too comfortable. Way too comfortable. But the shit is real. And she really had to live through this. She lost her husband and her kids in the same night. Yep. By the time the police arrived, Jose, Frank, Jessica, and her baby were already gone. My God. Audrey and Rachel were rushed to the hospital where Audrey later died from her injuries. So there was another surviving victim that I didn't see their name anywhere. I'm not really sure if it was a woman or a man or it was a minor, but I didn't see it. Mm -hmm. But there were two surviving victims. Wow. So, which is, you know. Happy, I mean. Could be fucking worse. Yeah, they could have all been gone. Exactly. Rachel was fortunate enough to survive According to her, the bullet cracked her skull and lodged itself between her skull and her skin. Mm. So it didn't get into her brain. That's how she, how she was able to survive. Period. Wee. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you're alive. That is so tra- traumatic. Yeah. First of all, if it's just a robbery, why are you killing people? I really don't understand that part. That's what I was thinking. I literally mentioned later in the episode, but fuck it. Let's, why not mention it now? Mm-hmm. Why would you, quote unquote, call it a robbery when you went in there was still recognizable, right? Didn't have any type of like and you did cover it on over purpose. your face, did it on purpose, knew you weren't disguised, mm-hmm. and then expect these people not to know who you were. But then again, if you go in there with no disguise, you were planning to kill these people. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you went in there, you were intentional about that. Yeah. You knew you were going to shoot somebody up because mm-hmm. you didn't bring no mask. Exactly. While Rachel was in the hospital, she was interviewed by police who asked her if she saw her attackers. And she said yes. And not only did she see them, she fucking knew them. Ooh, mm-hmm. bitch. She identified Marion Dudley and Arthur Brown Jr. as the two men that came to her house and killed her family. My God. When asked if she knew why the men targeted them specifically, she told detectives that she wasn't entirely sure. Okay. Fair, right? I mean, yeah. You, you don't. How do you expect somebody plotting on you? 
Exactly. You're supposed to think like that? No, half the world doesn't think like that. Exactly. An officer asked her if she, if her husband sold drugs, that's Jose, to which she replied, quote, I know he uses it, but I don't know if he was ever dealing in them. Okay. What do you think? It's giving he used it, but it's giving he probably did deal if they were looking for stuff, if they were trying to rob his house. Mm-hmm. They asked, quote, did he go to Mexico to pick up some drugs? Because they were aware that Jose had recently taken a trip down there. Mm-hmm. Mind you, they live in Houston. They go to Mexico. Not too far of a trip. Mm-hmm. I wore this hat on the right day. Oh, my God. Krista, I was going to comment on what the fuck you had on, but I didn't want to make it a thing. Why not? Shout out to Kristen. She's a real Texan now. Howdy. She just needs some boots. And a truck. And a, and and a, a bad truck. attitude. <laughs> <laughs> I felt that. Mm-hmm. I felt that. <laughs> Because some Texas can't drive, I'll tell you that. Mm-mm. They asked, you know, did he go to Mexico to pick up some drugs? To which she replied, quote, no, he had my daughters with him. He took them to see my in-laws. Girl, you don't know what else he could have been doing. Was he Mexican? It's given. Okay, but like, it's not looking good. No, And it's if not. I was an investigator asking this question and she gave these answers, it's like, yeah. I smell something. It's like, even if you didn't know... There's still something going on. Shit may be going on. Right. But just a couple weeks later in July of 1992, matter of fact, before we even get into all of that, rest in peace to the victims. Rest in peace. Jose, Jessica, Frank, the baby, which we'll learn the baby's name later, but her name was Alyssa. It was a girl. She didn't even have a fucking chance. Oh, rest in peace to all of them. And rest in peace to Audrey. People are trifling. Mm-hmm. Y'all, can you... I feel like the current recurring cadence is it's somebody you know. It's somebody you know. Yeah. Like, it's most likely going to be somebody you know unless that person is, like, a serial killer or, like, someone who lures you into a park. Yeah. But most of the time, it's someone you know. Yeah. You have to, like, have your guard up because you get too comfortable and then bam! Somebody wants the $30 you got and they're taking your life for it. Like, you know, people kill people over $15. That's a fact. That's a fact. Don't let nobody know your address. Don't be thinking you cute and you're standing in front of your house with your freaking house number in the background. Don't be turning your Snapchat uh, GPS on for what? Oh, I have to tell Chris this. Yeah, she did. I turned it off. (laughs) Rest in peace to Pop Smoke. Like, no shade. He thought he was being cutesy. And showing off what he was gifted, the ad just happened to be on the package. And then, lo and behold, he was set up and his life is gone. Like, shit is real. People do not value life. No, and they're foolish. Absolutely. So, that's what happened. But just a couple weeks later, in July of 1992, she ended up, and she, meaning Rachel, ended up admitting to police that her estranged husband, who was Jose, one of the victims, because they weren't even living together at the time. Mm -hmm. They were just, you know, cool. Mm -hmm. He really was selling drugs and had been since at least 1989. Oh, so he was thugging. He was was, uh, almost OG in the game. Wasn't new to it. He was true to it. Going to Mexico. Uh How to plug all that. Mm. She even started helping him sell because he had gone into debt with some people and needed to push product faster. So she was like, you know, I'll help you sell it. We can pay him back. It's all good. She was trying to help her man. She had a great relationship with her baby daddy. Mm -hmm. So because of their quote unquote working relationship, 
Jose would still come to her house often, and that's where the murders happened. She told police that she had previously sold marijuana and cocaine to two men that went by the names Red and Swerve. Well, disgusting. <laughs> yeah, something about that doesn't sit right with me. Like, why would anybody call you a squirt? Disrespectful. Either way, I guess it was a choice, whatever. Come here, squirt. <laughs> right. That's what I said, red and squirt. No. Which Rachel would later learn were Mar- Marion or Marion and Arthur. And she sold to them a number of times. So in regards to if she was sure they were the men that attacked her family that day. She said, quote, there's no doubt in my mind they were there. They were there. Period. They were the ones that did this to my family and myself. And like we said, doggone Rachel was shot in her head as well. Yeah. Like the killers or yeah, because they're killers yeah. at this point. The killers shot everybody. And they were intending to kill from our perspective, if they were stupid and just walked up in there and was like, oh, we're going to go up in there at no mass since we're robbing them of money and drugs, they're not going to tell the police, you know. Some people have that idea. Mm-hmm. They don't care to hide themselves. Mm-hmm. But in my opinion, from what I get, because this wasn't their first time. Oh, my God. Oh it's my possible God. that they were just comfortable and, you know. That's true. Because some people can be like, oh, I'll use this as a tactic to, like, intimidate you. Mm-hmm. I can tie your family up in your own house and take your shit. Mm-hmm. And you can't come for me because I'm protected. You can't do anything. What are the police going to do? Go to the robber and be like, give them their drugs back? Right. Give them their street cocaine back? No. Rachel said on the day of the murders, the two men were supposed to buy three kilos of cocaine from them. Damn. I was about to say, it sounds like a lot. And if you don't know what the fuck it is, I'm going to tell you right now. That's like tens of thousands of dollars of cocaine. It's coming to the point where Jose is like the plug himself. The drug pin. Or at least a high roller. And he's handing out to the little men. At least from these killers. Absolutely. And the thing that was so crazy to me, I'm like, if they know that you have that much money on hand, you're vulnerable. Yeah. Where are your guns? Where is your security? Where are your, you know, security measures? Anything like that. Yeah. So I'm assuming if they planned on picking up that much cocaine and weed, whatever, Rachel knew that they were going to be coming to the house. She said she guessed they changed their minds once they got there and just decided to tie them up and rob them instead of buying the money or buying the drugs. Girl, that's enough money to put somebody's three children through school and you're just going to come through and buy your drugs? They can't be not smart because he's been in the game for a while. Yeah. So Jose should have had something. Yeah. It's just like those people that try to scam you. Like I tried to get, like somebody tried to scam me the other day because I was buying, trying to buy a Yorkie and they were like, oh, a Yorkie was $500. Send me to 50 before i come and bring the dog to you mind you they live three hours away what, what do i look like you know i'm sending you half i'm not fucking doing that with nothing to show for it no Mm-mm. so who were marion and arthur you may be asking well these two men were from tuscaloosa alabama mm. and they were selling drugs and will make the nine hour drive to houston to pick up their product from their connect ciao this was like their thing i would say they going nine hours out of state that's not a small trip no so you know they going with intention whatever that intention is <laughs> oh yeah so i'm not sure if they have like multiple plugs but i do know that jose and rachel were at least one of them mm-hmm. marion 
What is his name? Kristen doesn't matter. Mario. There we go. <laughs> Marion. I think it's Mario. Mm -hmm. Marion Butler Dudley, aka Red, was born on May thirteenth, nineteen seventy two. Arthur Brown Jr., aka Squirt, was born on August fourteenth, nineteen seventy. Okay. Somebody give me the nickname Squirt. I'm boxing them up. Like you really about to call me out here, Squirt? Squirt. The Disney, I know he probably got like squirts. I'm not taking that name. I was as far he was as probably I nasty and thought it was cute. Oh, nasty ass. He's probably been to jail and earned that name while he was doing some nasty shit. He's like, I'll make a nigga squirt. And was Kristen, trying to say it like it was like some thugger stuff. Kristen PC. The show is PC. What's PC? Politically correct. No, it's not. And you know that. <laughs> Kayla, who is this? It can be less terrible. So if you guys are on Patreon, you will see homeboy that we're showing right now is Moriel. <laughs> Chris is also mugging the fuck out of him. But like also because he kind of fine. Of course she thought that. If you listen to the show, you know what she was about to say. Regardless of what he did, if he's fine, he's fine. Oh, God. Ugh. Anyway. Disgusting. Gross by. So he was born in 1972. Arthur Brown Jr., a.k.a. Squirt, was born on August 14th, 1970. If you're on Patreon, you see him. He was born August 14th, 1970. And Antonio Lamont Dunson, who we later learned was a getaway driver, was born on November 7th, 1972. All three men were from Tuscaloosa and were part of an Alabama drug ring that Arthur was allegedly the leader of. Damn, I'm so mad. Why? He's so fine. How could somebody like, I I know, you don't have to be cute to be a criminal or not be a criminal, but damn, like you're just wasting your talent. I'm going to need you to go to war. He could have been somebody's husband and he out here killing folk, selling yeah. drugs. Yeah. And super young. Like he was born in 1970. These crimes happened in 1992. He was only 22 years old. Homeboy Marion, a.k.a. Reed, was only 20 years old, maybe even 19. Crazy. Just, man. Waste of life. Where's the leadership, man? None. There's no leadership. For nine months prior to the attack, he'd been moving weed and cocaine from Houston to Tuscaloosa. Mm -hmm. We're talking about homeboy on the screen. And was well aware on the day of the murders that Jose and Rachel had product and money somewhere in that house. It was a setup. They knew what was good. Yeah, they knew what to expect. Marion seemed like he was a career criminal, according to his record, because according to Tuscaloosa's sheriff department, at the time of the murders, he was on probation for burglary. Not only burglary, first degree assault and had another charge for receiving stolen property. And he out here doing the same thing, thugging. Oh, it gets worse. Even before the home invasions were committed on Brownstone Lane, he committed another home invasion slash robbery exactly two months before the Brownstone Lane murders. So it happened April 20th. These happened on June 20th. So he ain't new to this. They had a plan. According to Marion himself, quote, my number one problem was women. I was running around. Everything went downhill from there. I just wanted to get money, easy money. And once you start getting easy money, it's so hard to slow down, I, end quote. And that's fair. That mm -hmm. is true, mm -hmm. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. But damn, like, you out here killing folks. How did you go from money, money, money to now killer, killer, killer? You know? 
you really risk your freedom. Like every part of your freedom for some women, it's not worth tying people up in their homes, breaking and entering, and then taking their money and risking shooting and killing them. It's not at all. I feel like, honestly, they knew what they were doing. Regardless, mm -hmm. you doing all this for some, for some women, you a lie. I hate you. They could have started that desire and put you in that space to yeah. want to chase the money, like BMF. But at the same time, <laughs> you took off because that's what you liked. That's the maybe the adrenaline, adrenaline, maybe the adrenaline, the motivation mm -hmm. of you know being top dog. Yeah, it's believable. I didn't find much on Antonio, who went by Tony. Shout out to our dad. Tony <laughs> goes by the exact same thing. But we do know that he was there that night driving the minivan that the three men used to get away. And speaking of the minivan, police later found it abandoned in Alabama City. Mm. Mm -hmm. Took it all the way back home. Chris Nibbles on the moon. Mm -hmm. They ditched the van and ended up buying a Jeep SUV with straight cash. I read that they asked two women to drive them from Birmingham to Louisville, Kentucky. Shout out to Louisville. Damn. They bought plane tickets and flew to Columbus, Ohio from there on fake names. <laughs> this is, girl, this is pre 9 11, pre TSA. The FFA didn't give a fuck. Right. And they're trying to hopscotch and bop. So they're what? Not found? They would have found my ass if I Tahini. Right. I would have went on a fake the name. Country. On a fake name. Shout out to DB. What's the nigga name? DB Cooper. The guy that, like, held that plane hostage was like, oh, I want $250,000 or I'm going to blow this plane up. They gave him the $250,000 when the plane landed. The crew, like, the the pilot and everything, they took off again. And then while they were in the air, he jumped out of the plane and was never seen again. And, like, a few years later or whatever, they found his money buried on an island somewhere that wasn't even on the same plane where he jumped off of the plane. What the heck? Girl. A whole elaborate. That's the type of plan I'm talking about. Yeah, but you if can't you do make that a plan, nowadays. Make a plan. Everybody has a camera. Everyone has a computer, microchip in their ass. Like mm. you can't dodge the government. I just think it's so funny how they're hopscotching within the United States. Yeah. <laughs> like you're gonna get caught if you stay here eventually. So they were on the run. They clearly felt like they needed to be at that point because they knew that they were suspects for the Brownstone Lane murders. And mm -hmm. probably because, like, it was on the news. Mm -hmm. They knew that there was a survivor. And then also, all of their mothers reached out publicly and was like, hey, turn yourselves in because they thought they were innocent. So if you're innocent, why are you risking your life and running? Ooh, mamas be dumb. Come home to mom. Mama, he can't suck on your, your, whoa, no more. Whoa. He out here making grown man decisions and he gonna get his grown man caught up. Yes. And I literally wrote like, these moms gotta start seeing their children for who they are and not for the who they think they could be. But we gonna see if we can abide by that within a few years. I'm going to, I'm gonna look I'm at Kate and try. Like, don't play with me. You bring me to cars, get arrested. You know what I'm saying? I'm not playing that. Like, learn a lesson in some way. And even if it's a harsh, even if it's a harsh lesson, mm -hmm. it's worth it. It's true. Because then you can end up like such and such over her. That person thinks it's so fine. He got a chiseled chin. Can't be worse. All three of the men were like, uh, no, we're not turning ourselves in. <laughs> we're going to keep running. 
And two and a half weeks later, on July 8th, 1992, Marion and Antonio were found and arrested in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Mm, mm, mm. Arthur eluded police for another three and a half months. Dang, Arthur. Not days, not weeks, months. He wasn't playing. No. And wasn't arrested until October 23rd, 1992. And he was found in an apartment in Northport, Alabama. Mm, back in Alabama. These people are really bold. All of the men, once they were in custody, said like, hey, we had nothing to do with this. We don't know what you're talking about. We're innocent men. Mm. You guys are racist. Okay. And honestly, that bring, that comes up later. I'm sure it does. Every time a black man is hinged up, there is a plausibility for yeah, racism. Somebody's racist. Absolutely. Because of how they're treated once they actually get hinged up. Absolutely. All three men were charged with capital murder and the prosecution announced that they would be seeking the death penalty. Five, I mean, four victims. What did you expect? Exactly. And shout out to the victims. Like, rest in peace to them. Their families are still alive to this day and still suffering. You don't just lose somebody that means everything to you and then just get over it. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's a lifelong amount of pain. Yeah. You have to somehow deal with. Yeah. Well, shout out to them prosecution announced that they would be seeking the death penalty and all of them pleaded not guilty of course does it surprise you like i'm facing the death penalty yeah i'm gonna say i'm guilty and say that i did it or i'm gonna fight tooth and nail to try to get off because people get off for murder all the time i mean and at this point it's like is death or is life right so i'm gonna have to obviously pick life and i like to say oh okay i would admit that i did something terrible like this ahead of time to not waste taxpayer payer dollars but also damn it's like, about taxpayer i mean soups selfish my life is on the line but i'm gonna do everything i can to save it there's no plea deal on the table it's just death yeah i'm, I'm gonna fight lie. i'm gonna lie until it's hot as hell and i feel the fire of hell on my <laughs> ass like that's probably what's gonna happen you try until you can't try no more so it doesn't surprise me arthur was tried first and was found guilty of capital murder in November of 1993, and he was sentenced to death. Whoa. Mm -hmm. The last one caught is the first one sentenced. Marion was then tried and found guilty, and on January 23rd, 1995, he was sentenced to death. I mean, Kayla, there's no if, ands, or buts. Give him the child. There's no wiggle room. When you have a victim... A surviving victim that says, hey, like, I remember their face. I sold to them before. They came into my house, killed my family. Kill it. And they're on the run. That sticks in your mind forever. And my thing is, like, y'all had some money. So who was y'all's, like, defense attorney? Defense attorneys or prosecutors? Defense attorneys. Attorneys. Well, we don't know for sure that they had money. We know that they had touched, at least touched some money. Right. Because they stole it from the Trovis family and they probably were robbing other people. They were still selling drugs. They had a little bit of coin, but mm -hmm. who knows if you know, it was prosecutors seized it or whatever mm -hmm. the case may be. Mm -hmm. And then Antonio, the getaway driver, was found guilty of capital murder. Ooh, wee. Mm -hmm. But his life was spared okay. and was given a life sentence with the chance of parole. Okay. That and makes that more sense. Yeah, because you just drove. You exactly. didn't like have a hand in taking their lives. Mm -hmm. And as of the recording of this episode, he will be eligible for parole on July 8th, 2027. Well, that's soon. I thought that was really shocking. Yeah. 
for me, I feel like, okay, if you were a part of a crime that was committed, that took somebody's life and you were the getaway driver, there could be some leniency there. But because this guy decided to go on the run with these men for multiple weeks, that's the fuck thing. that. Mm-hmm. Get in the chair. Yeah, because you 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 basically didn't even separate yourself from these people after the deed was done. Mm-hmm. You stuck with them. So you setting yourself up. Yeah. You accepted your fate, which was going to hell. This episode was brought to you by BetterHelp. In 2023, you guys, I have learned the ultimate lesson, and that's how important setting boundaries is. Now, I'm amazing at them just naturally because I don't play that, but a lot of people aren't, and maybe some of you guys aren't, and you don't know where to start to even learn. So if that's you or maybe someone that you know, I highly suggest trying out BetterHelp. BetterHelp can teach you so many things about yourself, so many things about how to grow and be the best version of yourself, even just learning positive coping skills for dealing with the craziness that is our everyday lives. So if you have even thought about trying therapy or are still thinking about it, I highly suggest. And if you want a discount, visit betterhelp.com slash black true crime today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash black true crime. Okay, back to the episode. After 13 years on death row, these 30... brolic tale men have no remorse. So I'm not too entirely sure what their heights were. They brolic do look like mean... in the jawline, at least. They look like, you yeah, know. Look at his neck. Looks good. His thick neck as... is thick as heck. Yeah. Brolic. <laughs> Jaw. You know. <laughs> strong. Straight up. Yeah. After 13 years on death row, 34-year-old Marion Dudley was put to death by lethal injection on January 25th, 2006. Wow. He was the first person that year to be put to death in Texas. And when it was time for him to be transported to the death room, I don't know what else if I could call it, he refused to walk there. He literally had to be carried. They said he wasn't, like, combative, but he just... He didn't want to walk to his death. And... Up until his last moment, claimed that he was innocent and he was never even present at the home when the murders This is the type of stuff that's going to make me mad. Yeah. Like I said, this case shows you it doesn't matter. Like, you could be facing hell, whatever you believe in, like, you know, purgatory, whatever, just darkness and dirt, and still say, no, I had nothing to do with this. The murder of a pregnant woman. I do. You went on the run with the other people who did it right after it happened. And you're going to still claim your innocence? Like, stop playing with me because mm-hmm. what you're yeah. not going to do is play with my mind. And right now, I feel like my mind is being played with. And it is, Kristen. It feels like it is because it is. Not cool. And when the warden asked if he had any last words, he just ignored the warden and kept his eyes closed. So, didn't say anything. They took that as, like, I guess you have nothing to say. And they administered the first lethal dose. And after eight minutes, he was pronounced dead at 6.16 p.m. Wow. Yep. Texas doesn't play, bitch. Think twice before you do some crazy shit in Texas. But also, think twice about (coughs) your skin color. Before you do some crazy shit in Texas. Before you do some crazy shit, think twice. Period. Because taking someone's life over some road rage, it's just not worth it. He just lost his life. Yep. Wow. Now to Arthur. Arthur always claimed he was innocent of the murders and was willing to fight like hell to avoid being put to death. So what was he doing? Girl, appeal after appeal after appeal Mm -hmm. after appeal. Every court that he could get his face into, his case into, he was going to do. 
During his appeals, his attorneys claimed that Arthur was innocent mainly because a witness had actually pointed the finger at another man being responsible. Apparently, Rachel had another son and he told police on video that the man that went by the name Red was different from... What's his name? Arthur. No. Marion. Marion. It wasn't Marion. It was a man named Terrell Hill. Shout out to Terrell. <laughs> My man. And he was from Tuscaloosa, Tuscaloosa as well. Whoa, 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 whoa. So what is it really giving, okay? Because they went on the run, right? So you're already kind of incriminating yourself by going on the run. Rachel, let's just say she was in on some extravagant plan that got her freaking people killed. Which is something that I had to consider. Right. And then she's like, okay, well, in order to alleviate myself of anything else that could happen to me, I will claim that these two men, three men did it for the sake of a higher person telling me to do so. And hopefully they'll spare my life and not come for me again, even though they just killed my freaking family. Right. What more could you lose at this point, Rachel, for you even to be a part of a setup? That's what I was thinking. I was like, okay, if it comes down to it, right? If she possibly was in on it with whoever took the lives of her family, why would they shoot her in the back of the head as well? There's no way in my mind, an untrained person, you have to be yeah. like a trained professional to, to be like, hey, I'm going to shoot you in the back of your head and this part of your head to where you survive. Right. You know what I'm saying? And manipulate that situation do that, that far enough mm-hmm. to protect her life and make her survive when no one else did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Other than the you know, victim that was unnamed. That's very hard to believe. Very hard to believe. But investigators will learn that Terrell Hill wasn't even in Houston at the time of the murders. You gotta be shitting me. First of all, who was this witness? And also, when I looked at the picture of Arthur and Marion with a couple of drinks, I couldn't tell them apart. Oh, that's a fact. Didn't know who was who. That's a fact. So I get it. Me too. I get it. And especially in the heat of the moment, you could not know, but they look close enough to be like, okay, both of them were there. But that's what I'm saying. Like, Arthur had already been pinpointed. So even if you thought Arthur was Marianne and Marianne was Arthur, whatever, mm-hmm. that only gives one person an out. Yeah. So po- one of a them. A possible out. Right, a possible out. One of them still did it. Yeah. And what you mean he wasn't in Houston? Where was he at at the time of the murder? He was in Tuscaloosa. Tuscaloosa. So what the heck, Kayla? That's what I'm saying. Like, somebody thought they saw who they thought they saw and it wasn't the right person and i don't even know who this witness was um but shit investigators like uh uh-uh, wasn't him then they claimed that one of the members of the jury was racist and that played a part in arthur being found guilty one mind you one member of a 12 member member jury mm-hmm. but hey they, that's why they do that jury process. If one person, mm-hmm. you know, knows the person that's being part or anything has any type of bias, they kick them out. So. But if one person like holds the jury off, I feel like there's more of an investigation that's done. Because even if one person said, hey, I don't think he's guilty, whereas 11 people think he's, he's guilty, guilty, that's a hung jury. Yes, it is. And you would have to convince all 11 to sway your way. Exactly. So one racist person has to sway all everybody else to be racist as well and And that only happens in tv shows like monk when monk had jury duty and one person was holding the verdict up Mm -hmm. you know what i'm talking about no why are you yelling shout out to monk shout out to monk fucking amazing show if you haven't seen monk i feel bad for you son 
one of their points and their points meaning the defense attorneys for Arthur Brown that made a little bit of sense to me was the fact that two weapons that were found on Arthur were found to not be the murder weapons. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the firearm evidence that they did have did not prove that Arthur was the shooter. So they couldn't get any gunshot residue on him by the time they found him three months later. Right. And the weapons that he did have possession of, they knew he had possession of, didn't show that like, hey, these were responsible for the murders of these people. Mm -hmm. So So they only had the witness statement and the fact that he went on the run. Basically. In 2014, Arthur asked a federal court to give him Mm $7,500 so he could hire a mitigation specialist for his attempt at getting clemency. $7,500 is not a lot of money. It's not a lot of money, but at the end of the day, you are found guilty of the murder of four people. But you you expect the the government government to give you money to prove that you you didn't do it? Mm -hmm. He doesn't really have any solid evidence to stand on to prove that he wasn't there. Mm -hmm. Only Terrell did. Mm. So he wanted to hire a mitigation specialist, but the court basically said, like, I'm going to ask you to be fucking for real. And to consider that we're going to not take that any type of seriously. So we're going to say no. In October of 2017, he lost another appeal when the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals denied his request for a new trial or a new sentencing phase. Somebody saw you. She got shot in the head. I don't even think that could be a mistake. No. Like, it's either she's trying to set you up or you did it. You know? Yeah. I don't think the whole, oh, maybe I didn't see who I thought... I don't know if that could ever apply here. You killed my husband. Like, nah, I know what you look like. And let's be real. I was buying quick Mm -hmm. from multiple people Mm -hmm. at different times back in college. Mm -hmm. If somebody tried to do something what was done to these people to me, I would have known that person like the back of my hand. That wouldn't have been in question for me. So I don't think that she mistaked who she saw, especially doing the worst thing that you can imagine to the most important people in her life that she loved. So intimate. Home invasions are intimate. Yeah. I've seen your face for at least an hour. Yeah, I'm comfortable in your home enough to tie you up, pace back and forth, ask you hella questions about where you have the drugs, where you have the money, all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. His defense team brought up the fact that Rachel had brain damage that could have impacted her memory and ability to differentiate who she really saw that day. This is true. Probable. Possible. Possible. Possible, but maybe not entirely probable, especially since, one, the defense knew the possibilities way before now. Before she got shot, before she got the brain damage. The crimes happened in 1992. You guys knew the possibility of her having those effects never mentioned it prior to this Mm -hmm. so what is it really giving and rachel hasn't switched up her story so far we haven't heard of her having any doubt about who she saw exactly she was sure and then two there was evidence that rachel and the other surviving victim were both quote neurologically intact when they were discharged from the hospital okay so you're trying to discredit me it's just not gonna work it's 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 not giving mm-hmm. now arthur was claiming that since the supreme court had ruled in 2002 during the atkins versus virginia case that the eighth amendment banned cruel and unusual punishment and that meant that anybody with intellectual disabilities couldn't be sentenced to death mm-hmm. we've talked about that before mm-hmm. so now arthur has claimed well i'm mentally challenged mm-hmm. arthur please 
Arthur, what part are you against mentally challenged? And since when? This is the same man that was the leader of a drug ring right. in Tuscaloosa. And this is the same man that ran from police for three months after the murders without being caught. Thank you. Where mentally are you challenged mentally challenged? challenging to do that? Where are you mentally challenging? <laughs> You're very wherewithal. You got all your wherewithal. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, my baby. If you hear my baby in the background, I'm sorry. His daddy got him, and yeah, he's fussy. In 2022, Arthur decided to take it to the Supreme Court. His basically his last chance. Well, hurry up. And he told them that he would be... <laughs> and he told them that he would be, quote, executed without any court having considered the strong evidence that he is intellectually disabled. Arthur, this is like your 17th appeal. <laughs> and you brought this out of your complete and utter butthole. Like, what year is it? Fully 30 years after the murders. And now you're slow. That's what I'm saying. So it's like, it's really not giving. You didn't even try to plead insanity. None of that when it first started. And now you're just bringing it up. Very hard to believe. Right. And I say slow because this is literally what was said. Arthur's own attorney told the court, quote, Mr. Brown's intellectual limitations were known to his family and friends. Individuals that knew Mr. Brown over the course of his life have described him consistently as, quote, slow. <laughs> well, damn. I don't give a fuck what, the, what I'm facing. Don't play me. Right. <laughs> no, he didn't give a damn. He's like, whatever will get me out. Call me slow. Call me stupid. Call me anything you want. Yeah. Just get me out of prison. Or at least get me off the death chopping block it reminds me of that guy that was in yfn or whatever the fuck it was and he was facing like a murder charge which he already had been convicted for a murder charge but he was facing another one in court rocking back and forth christian like this doing like this doing crazy fucking hand motions acting like he was slow and the the judge christian the judge was like um can you get your client together, bitch? Can you get your client together? Like, what is he actually I don't know what doing? This is. I don't know what this is. Who he's trying to convince, but it's not convincing me. That dude was putting on a show. Already had a life sentence. Just stupidity. It's, it reminds me of um the Green Mile. When the guy was, the white man was acting slow that whole time, drooling and shit. <laughs> Oh, wait, 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 wait. The one that had the rat? The one that, no, the one that really killed the girls, not the oh black guy. God. Yeah. I, I don't remember that movie enough. Like, all I remember Trippin'. is when. Kristen. <laughs> all I remember is the black man holding the girls by their bloody heads, crying his eyes out. That traumatized me, bitch. I thought it was a horror movie. I couldn't deal with it. <laughs> what else scared me was that Tom Hanks, his character, couldn't hold his piss he had a fucking uti problem and he had to run outside and like yeah scared the shit out of me yeah that was intense that was some real dude. i won't like, watch that again I i'm watch totally gonna watch that again but no. yes the white man who actually killed those girls mm -hmm. was acting slow as heck for the longest time they thought he was slow oh until God. it was time for him to act to show he's not slow yeah, at all yeah and I he hope grabbed right. that nigga through the um through the gate I don't know. I need to know it, but I need to know everything. It's, it's so fresh me. to me. That's it's so crazy. Me. I can watch that since seventeen hundred times, but that movie right there pierces my soul, and I can't do it. I love that movie, man. Okay, back to the case. So mm -hmm. the cream, the cream, the, the sour cream, sour cream court. <laughs> 
disagreed and said he presented his evidence, meaning the evidence that he was intellectually disabled already, but it wasn't giving what he thought it was giving. Okay. They weren't convinced. The prosecution said that the families of the victims had been waiting over 30 years at this point for justice and didn't deserve to wait any longer. And I'm assuming Arthur felt like he had like some new evidence to prove his, you know, mm-hmm. slowness. But at the end of the day, if you were slow in third grade, seventh grade, if you were slow at the time of the murders, it shouldn't take 30 years to prove it. For you to all of a sudden think, well, hey, let's show that I'm slow. Exactly. But in a strange turn of events in May 2022, after Arthur had exhausted all of his appeals, a judge declined to sign his death warrant. Whoa. Wouldn't sign it. For what reason? I don't know. I mean, this is after COVID. So you can't even be like, oh, I'm depressed. Everybody dying. <laughs> so what Nobody is Nobody cares on death row. Death row, you're supposed to die. We might as well get this shit. Yeah, but they were also Done. releasing niggas from... Not on death row. Well, sure. Yeah. If you've listened to the show in the last couple of weeks, you've heard us talk about fume. And you've heard us talk about how fume can help you with those nasty little hand-to-mouth habits. And that's whatever you want to identify that as. I'm not here to judge you. And if you want to try something that's innovative, that's award-nominated, and that uses all natural delicious flavors instead of harmful chemicals, we highly suggest trying out Fume. The first time I tried it, I was like, this is a nice taste in my mouth. It's a nice flavor profile. And if you like things that are just gentle, not too strong, and can take your mind off of other things, fume is the way to go head to tryfume.com slash botch you crime to save 10 percent off when you get the journey pack today again that's tryfum.com and use code black you crime to save an additional 10 percent okay back to the episode so what he refused to sign yeah he refused it and the families and the the victims were fucking pissed they felt like it was a slight in their face, disrespect, all of that. Which they I would, waited I this see. freaking long. Absolutely. But the decision, fortunately, didn't last long because on August 17th, 2022, the same judge who was like, I'm not signing this shit, decided to sign it and set an execution date of March 9th, 2023. Wow. Mm-hmm. That literally was a few months ago. Uh-huh. Crazy. He's gone. And this was 31 years after the murders had happened. Wow. This man was on death row for a long ass time. I was going to say. I don't understand it. So apparently, even during his first trial, his defense attorney shared information about how Arthur was considered to be intellectually disabled in the third grade. But by the ninth grade, he was performing averagely. Mm-hmm. So some people develop a little slower mm-hmm. than others. But he caught the fuck up. Right. And this wasn't the case when he was 22, breaking into people's houses, running drug rings in Tuscaloosa. You tried it next thank you after the last court hearing jessica quinones's mother spoke to the public for the first time and said quote i'm really happy because my daughter jessica got justice i'm sad still but i'm really happy because god helped me go through all of this and then according to jessica's sister maricella their mother still blames the tovar family for their daughter's death because they said that they didn't know that she they were selling drugs and Jessica didn't know that they were selling drugs either. Mm. I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to confirm nor deny. But if you're in a trap house, you, you know, know what you're a in trap a trap house. house. Like if you're if you're 
let's people just are say selling selling illegal drugs. Right. And like Jessica, if she that's the one that's not the one who was pregnant. That is the one that was pregnant. So Jessica is the daughter in law. So I'm assuming mm-hmm. that maybe she was connected to Frank, which was the son. Okay. Let's just say that. Right. I don't know if that was his wife or not, but either way, she was family. You know what you got going on. Yeah. Even if you don't want to admit what you know, yeah. you've seen some things. Yeah. Unfortunately. So that sucks that she still had to get caught up in that mess because it wasn't like she was selling the damn drugs. Exactly. She was just hanging out at a house that she felt comfortable at. Yeah. The defense attorney petitioned for a stay two days before his execution so DNA testing could be conducted on the bed sheets that were used to tie up the victims. Okay. But the prosecution was like, but you didn't bring this up in 2016. You didn't bring this up in your other appeal hearings. Yeah. I'm not trying to hear it. Mm-hmm. And up until the very day of the scheduled execution, Arthur was trying to get a stay. But that same afternoon, he was denied and his execution would go on as planned. Wow. Mm-hmm. When asked if he had any last words, he chose to not take responsibility and went to his grave claiming his innocence, saying, quote, what is occurring here tonight is not justice. It's murder of an innocent man for a murder that occurred in 1992. For the last 30 years, I've proven my innocence to the courts, but the courts blocked me and then refused me access to the ballistics for 20 years. I've proven facts and ballistics to be false. Texas will kill a second innocent man for murder that occurred in 1992. This is End just quote. crazy, Kayla. You gonna go 30 years mm-hmm. denying something that you've probably done? Like, mm-hmm. this is too much. And how often do you hear about multiple people involved in a mass murder? Because at this point, it's a mass murder and not saying anything against each other, not turning witness in the case. Because remember, they were all tried separately. Mm-hmm. They had opportunities to save themselves, to save their own asses by testifying against someone else but they didn't do it mm-hmm. so it makes you question this is too much but it also was like rachel saw them the other i guess i don't even know when it says another witness says that they saw a man and they fingered a man but it wasn't neither one of these men. it was a man named terrence hill we don't know if that was their other surviving victim we don't know who the fuck it was. Yeah, but he said that the courts denied him the ballistics. Like, that makes me mad because it's like, what you deny him ballistics for? If he's guilty, let him be guilty. It right. shows. You don't have to be shady. About yeah, it. give him the in, the um evidence. Yeah. Because he can't change evidence. I agree. I agree. So I'm not really sure what the ballistics were giving. If they even found the actual murder weapon. If there was one murder weapon, a lot of these details aren't even public knowledge. So who fucking knows? This is nuts. I can't even for confidently say that these two men did it. And for me, I'm like, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, a woman that was shot in the back of her head and watched multiple members of her family die is lying. Especially since she saw them on multiple occasions, sold them drugs on multiple occasions saying, hey, they did it for no fucking reason. I can't see that. And they went on the run. What are you running for? And then if you ran, right, and you're back and you're being put up for this crime that you didn't commit, you know why you was running. Yeah. So why are you not snitching or saying anything about the person that it could have potentially set you up? You're always not saying over with. anything. Always over with. I'm telling everybody a story. Something. 
I'm telling everything. You Unless I got kids that they can get access to, I'm telling it all. And even then, put them in witness protection. Levi has to do whatever I got to do, you know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, if I didn't fucking do it, I got to figure out a way out of this to protect mm-hmm. my family and also not be held accountable for the murder of five people. Because if we're being real, Jessica's baby, 53-year-old Arthur was pronounced dead at 6.37 p.m., and that was 17 minutes after the first lethal dose was administered. <sighs> yep. Marianne and Arthur are both buried at Captain Joe Bird Cemetery in Huntsville, Texas. Wow. Among a bunch of other criminals. This ain't even, like, rewarding. Because you don't freaking know what happened. What really happened? I mean, if we trust Rachel. But we can't trust. We know... That as much as we want to believe her, people lie. That's Just true. like these two could be lying. That's true. But if you want to think that humanity has some type of salvageable aspect to them, why would someone that watched the most important people in their life murdered finger somebody else for the murder instead of the people that were actually responsible? Why because would they do that? Maybe she still felt like she still had something to lose. Even though she just lost everything but her own life. Maybe, maybe, maybe. And you can listen to her interviews and see, you know, things, places that she's talked about it and stuff like that and take your own opinion from there. We played the clip earlier in the show. You can think what you think. But for me, I'm like, I couldn't imagine losing my own son. Kayla, my son, my daughter, my husband. Bitch, just take me. I'm her. telling it all. And that's her estranged husband. Husband. Yeah, you know. but you know what it is. Like, and I had kids with that, this fool. Right? And the fact that everyone was in the same place, it doesn't mean that they deserve to lose their life, but it may show you that, like, hey, they were involved in the selling of the drugs as well mm. because everybody was in that house, seemed super comfortable. I have been in trap houses multiple times and multiple different types of trap houses. And I'm very well aware of what it looks like when somebody's selling something, but it is what it is. Mm-hmm. They still didn't deserve it. The Quinones family released the following statement, quote, Today is neither a day of joy nor celebration for our family. It is a day of profound relief and gratitude. After 30 years of anguish and uncertainty, we are finally able to rest knowing the monster who destroyed so many lives will never again torment the body or soul of another. Today, we especially remember our beloved Jessica and her unborn daughter, Alyssa, and are relieved that they can at least rest in peace. It will be in our hearts always. Mm. Bendito. Regardless, rest in peace to Jessica and Alyssa. Yeah. Whether they knew drugs were being sold or not, no, they didn't deserve to be slaughtered like that. No, whether Arthur or Marion did it or not. Yeah. And I think they did it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I think one of them did it. I'm not sure about the other. I think it would have been definitely helpful if someone spoke out against the other two. Because yes. that would really be like, why would they lie? Yes. Yeah. Like maybe even if the drivers could place exactly. them both yeah. there. Yeah. Nobody snitched. I thought that was so interesting. Come on, man. I thought that was so interesting. And all three of them went to trial, which we know narcissists will do that because they feel like they can beat the case. And that's yeah. fair because the justice system is inherently almost a joke. But usually, almost 100%. A joke. Usually, within a group of people, you always have that one that weak one link weak that's going to snitch. Yeah. 
and all of them did it. And all of them were from Tuscaloosa. So maybe they were just so maybe close. Maybe they grew knit. up together. And like if one person goes down, all of them go down type of thing because they were all involved. And in that's some type exactly of way. what happened. Maybe that's just what it's like. Keep your mouth shut and we won't get the, the worst of it. You, th- you know what? The driver that's still alive, I wonder if he said anything since. Yeah. I haven't seen anything, but I feel like if he admitted like, yeah, I do know that they did. I do think whatever, whatever. He could face more charges mm-hmm. and not be eligible for parole in fucking four years from now. So he gonna, he gonna keep his mouth shut till he get out. More than likely. Wee! Before his death, Arthur joined a lawsuit along with six other Texas death row inmates claiming that the state's prison system was using expired execution drugs and lethal injections. They said they were extending the use by dates of its lethal injection drugs due to a lack of pharmacies willing to produce them. They probably were. Which makes the executions more painful and unsafe. Mm. I don't care if it's more painful. I was saying you did. You deserve it. I Go mean, as pain. long as it's not like literally the Green Mile stuff where they executed him with that dry sponge. <sighs> you did. Let's stop talking about that movie. That movie was hot. so relevant with this damn case. I know, but it was really like, it changed my life for sure. The movie was dope. I won't watch it again. I will. Prison officials denied these claims, obviously. Mm-hmm. And five of the six inmates a part of the lawsuit had been already <laughs> executed. No. Like, the lawsuit is still in litigation to this day, but... They gone. There's only one person still alive to even benefit from anything. Wee. Isn't that crazy? That's sad. That's when you have money, you can drag out legal shit. Arthur was the fifth inmate executed in Texas this year, meaning 2023, and the ninth in the U.S., and it was the second in one week in Texas. Mm, Texas ain't playing. They never do. The one being Gary Green. Yeah, 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 yeah. Stop reading ahead, Kristen. Mind your fucking business. Well, hurry up. Some of you, some of you may be familiar with this case, and because we've covered it on the show before, it was episode thirty-nine. And if you're not familiar, he was found guilty of the murder of his wife Lavetta and her five-year-old daughter Jasmine. And then the attempted murder of her two young sons. Dusty, big tail, <laughs> beluga thick, whale, thick necks, big black seal. You know, like he really just, oh, Gary Green, I'll, I won't forget that I case. was about to say, I hated him. I've hated him for a long time. I think we did in like 2021. Yeah, it yeah. was a while ago, but it feels so fresh. Yeah, it does. I'll never forget it. And I highly suggest if you guys haven't listened to that episode, go listen to it. Rest in peace to Lavetta and Jasmine. Amen. But he had been uh, sentenced to death and was executed this year as well. I hope they're turning him every way but the fuck loose in hell. Okay? And I hope he... Um, we don't know people's stories. Regrets every terrible thing that he did. Yeah, that part. Punishment for real. And then one last thing before we go. Arthur created a pen pal profile. Mm-hmm. In 2006, August 14th, which is pretty <laughs> ironic because I think that was like the day he was born mm-hmm. on his birthday. And he said, dear friend, from within the belly of the beast, mm. which is the Texas death machine, he called it, a humane soul, a conscious heart, one who's been fighting this death of institutionalized eradication and slavery for 15 years, seeking other humane beings with open minds to, co- to correspond with. Merely seeking betterment, enlightenment, helping you, 
help me, help us move forward. All the pain within has come from misunderstanding so many aspects surrounding our total picture of worldly existence. I don't want to immediately swipe left. Like, this was getting on my nerves. That's what I'm saying. You're talking a lot. You're I, talking way too freaking I'm much. What are you I know actually you're saying? I know you're guilty 100%. Like, you think you're smart because you read books? And he's spelling shit wrong. That's why I'm like, I don't even know like how what you're trying to, what you're really trying to get. Like Arthur, please. I sincerely need help. A lawyer, a perhaps an organization who will agree to be my power, my activist, or the financial donation of a kind-hearted person who will either contribute to or help me find the money needed to hire an, an attorney. So he's basically asking people, you know, hey, I want a pen pal, but I also want some money. <laughs> I want somebody to help me get the fuck out of here. Mm -hmm. I understand there are no absolutes in life, sometimes inescapable, moving my mind in silent reflections. I just sometimes need a diversion, which can be you, my friend. Okay. That genuinely pissed me off. (laughs) Arthur. Arthur. A squirt. Disgusting. So both of them are dead, Marion and Arthur. Antonio's the only one that's still alive. If anybody needs to write a book, it needs to be Antonio. I agree. We need to know what really went down that night. And if he thinks that he's going to get any possibility of parole in 2027, he has to take responsibility for what he did. Like he has to admit, yes, I was, I did this. Because if you don't show remorse for what you did, what you getting released? They're leaving you in there. What you getting released for? They're leaving you in there. Right. So we'll see. Woo. We'll see y'all. And yeah, that's our case for this week. Shout out to listener at Dawn Defense for requesting this case. Hey, Dawn. Shout out to you, Dawn. We don't know if that's your real name, but you know, that's your at name on Instagram. So shout out to you. We appreciate it. What do you guys think about this case? Do you guys think that they did it? Um, Don't base it on how they look because according to Kristen, they're fine. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, let us know what you think on Instagram at Black Chew Crime Podcast. Thank you guys so much for your patience. We've missed you. We're going to get back on our regular schedule. And yeah, if you guys have anything nice to say about the show, say it. When you leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. There you go. And even Facebook. It really helps us spread the word about the show. And as always, before we go, be, be safe, safe, protect, protect your peace. peace. And protect protect your space. So we don't have to cover your case. Period. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the show. You can stream all of our episodes on Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And if you enjoy the show, please leave us a five-star rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and even Facebook. It's the best way to help the show grow, and it's completely free. For bonus content, you can find us on Patreon. And for more information about the show, you can visit BlackTrueCrime.com. See you next time.